This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. There were two men that were talking one day, and one said, how are you doing? And he said, not so well under the circumstance. And the other one replied back and said, what are you doing under the circumstance? And so it's very easy to live that way where we live underneath the circumstances. And so we ended last week in in Revelations 1, verse 18, where the Lord Jesus said, and this is the King James, he said, I have the keys of death and hell. So when you see the word, the keys there, the keys represent authority. And Jesus said, I have the authority over death and hell. And so when I see the word authority, the word authority, now listen to what it means. It means permission. It means to exercise power. And one of the best ones it means is dominion. And so I've entitled this this entire series, Dominion. And we're going to look at that word, how how it plays into our lives. So we will begin here in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Simon Peter, a bondservant, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And so the denotes there, the bondservants, he's of a good standing and good reputation. To those who have obtained or received like precious faith with us. Now it's interesting right there that he uses the word we received like precious faith with us. How? By the righteousness of our God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so our whole life is dependent on Father God and the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So if you receive Jesus as Lord of your life, he's writing specifically this to me and you today. And I love the statement there, like precious faith. Verse number two, grace and peace be multiplied to you. He didn't say grace and peace be added to you. His desire is grace and peace be multiplied to you. Now, I don't know about you, but that's good news tonight. I welcome God multiplying grace and peace to me to this day. And everyone, we ought to be excited about that one. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, how would grace and peace be multiplied to us? I got to start getting knowledge of God and the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Greek word for knowledge right here indicates insight. True knowledge is found in the God of Christ and through the scriptures. Now, I highlight that word knowledge this morning because you're going to see it come into play time and time again, that every one of us need to get biblical knowledge. And when I start getting knowledge of who God is and who Jesus is, I begin to get an understanding of who they are. Now, I don't know about you. I want to understand Father God. I want to understand the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're talking about getting some knowledge here. So he goes on to say, the knowledge of God and Jesus Christ our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So when I look at that right here, I don't know about you, but I want knowledge on what life and godliness that he's already given me is. 
So when we go through this thing called life here, in our society, there are people everywhere, including me and you, we're, we're looking or for searching for things that will make us happy. We're searching for truth and we're searching for peace. But many times we're searching in the wrong place. So even saying that, where are you looking at to this day? And if I don't look to the word of God, I'll never fi figure out the things that he was talking about here in verse three, where he said he's given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. How? Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. So today my goal is for you is for you to get kingdom knowledge. That word knowledge there in the Greek, it literally indicates insight. It also means true knowledge is found in, in God, but also in the word of God. And so again, the, the desire today is to give every one of us knowledge pertaining to the Word of God. So when I begin to get knowledge of the Word of God, I begin to get an understanding of the Word of God or even understanding who God is. So it's very important that we get knowledge and it's only going to come by the Word of God. Verse 4, by which have been given to us, me and you, this, this is to you right here. If you're born again, this passage is for you right here. Which has been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. Now, if you'll note there, he didn't just say promises. And he didn't say just great promises. He said exceedingly great and precious promises. Wow, it's a good chance to shout right there. That through these, these great and precious promises that you may be partakers of the divine nature. That word partaker tells me it's available to us. And then he goes on to say, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And so Christ is made available to these promises to us. If you're born again, you, you got promises. But again, the only way I find out what those promises are is I got to get into the word of God. And when I get in the word of God, I start getting knowledge of what God's given me. Now turn with me to the book of, of John, chapter number eight. John chapter eight. And this is a passage, and many of you will know when I quote this verse or we read this verse, what I'm talking about. But this is John eight, and I'm gonna read it a little bit backwards. I'm gonna start in verse 32, and then I'm gonna read it in verse 31 because there's a truth in here you need to see. John eight, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Again, we see something incredibly in this word. It says, you shall know. You shall know. Now the word know here means to perceive, to understand, to gain knowledge, an attainment, recognition of truth by a personal experience. So oftentimes we say this, you'll know the truth, the truth will set you free. You'll know the truth, the truth will set you free. Well, within the word of God is truth and it has the ability to set you free, but it won't set you free unless you obey verse 31. So pay close attention here what verse 31 tells us. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. So the key to the truth setting me free is if I abide in it. That word abide means to remain in it, 
to continue in it, to camp out in it. So the Word of God not only wants to set your course in life, it wants to keep you on course. Now think about the word abide there. That means I'm going to have to do it again and again and again and again and again and again. I just stay with the word day by day by day. And so sometimes we have this thought, especially early in the new year, that I'm going to make this new year's resolution and I'm going to go to the gym. And I'm going to be lean, mean, and a fighting machine. And we go one time and we think for the rest of the year, I'm going to be lean, mean, and a fighting machine. Doesn't happen. But if I would abide in going to the gym, something begins to happen. How about this? If you had the thought that you only have to put on deodorant once a week and you won't smell the rest of the week, you're highly confused, okay? Again, it's a daily application of the Word of God that will set me free. I believe the Word of God. I believe there's power in the Word of God. I, I believe there's a seed of victory within the Word of God. But I got to stay with it day by day by day. And so the way I stay by, uh, with it, I, I got to get knowledge of the Word of God. I got to begin to understand in here that God has promises for me, but I got to stay within the Word of God. Now go with me to the book of Genesis chapter 1. And we're going to be in Genesis quite a bit this morning. Genesis chapter 1. And so what begins to happen with, with people is that we know about the truth but we don't stick with it. See, it's one thing for me to be able to stand up here and quote the scripture. It's another thing for me to obey it. Now, we begin here in Genesis chapter 1. And we're on our series again, Dominion. So this is the foundation. And man, you got to pray for me. Because I had the tendency to get way ahead of myself. And I know I'm on this for several weeks. So again, I'm going to do my best just to give you a foundation here this morning. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Who did it? God did it. Days one through three, God literally spoke the forming of the world. Days four, five, and six, God filled the earth. And in day seven, God took a nap. He rested. I believe that's still significant to this day that every one of us in here need a break periodically through the week. Verse two, the earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And so the Holy Spirit is the executive arm of God. And so what took place here, he was active as God spoke each word. It's interesting to me, the Holy Spirit was around right there in the beginning of time. Verse three, then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And that word there, God said, occurs 10 times in chapter 1. In chapter 1, as God bringing about life and order. 10 times, and God said. And God said. Now, I believe in the Big Bang Theory. And God said, and bang, there it is. God said it. God did it. Verse 4. And God said... Or God saw the light that it was good. And I'm just going to stop right there. When he said it was good, it was divine approval. 
And this will occur seven different times. And the, uh, the emphasis is on creation's quality and creation's purpose. So again, we're getting from the beginning the heart of God here. And God said, and it was good. Same chapter, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let God, uh, God said, let us, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, they were all involved in the creation. And so when he said, let us make man in our own likeness and our own image, God duplicated himself within us. In other words, God's DNA is on every one of us in here. There's no other human being on this planet that has your fingerprints, only you. That's pretty unique. But I want you to give you a little other insight on this. You weren't evolved from a monkey, okay? You were created. God is the creator and we're the creation. And according to Psalms 139, God wonderfully, fearfully, and skillfully created you. In other words, God didn't make any junk, all right? You're very valuable and precious to God. Some of you didn't know that today. It's good for you to hear that. So he made man into our own image according to our likeness. And he said, let them, who, man, have dominion over the fish, over the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over A-L-L, all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. You got dominion over the creeps. Mankind does. Now, immediately in this passage here, you see that God put his thumbprint upon mankind. He didn't say that the animals have authority. He said mankind does. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him, male and female, he created them. He created you, male or female. Now, where humanity starts messing up is when they start trying to reverse things and think we're smarter than God. God said, I created a male and female, so this is God's idea. And I want you to see this right here. Because you, you ought to be so blessed however God created you. Whether you're a male or a female, thank God. Now, me truthfully this morning, I'm glad God created me a male. Because when I see the pregnant ladies of our church like Sahara up here, I say, Lord, bless them. Because me as a man, I'm, I'm not tough enough to do what you women do. I'm going to tell you that right now. Bless all of you mamas out there. But celebrate how God created you, okay? Celebrate that fact. And here's your good nugget this morning, verse 28. Then God blessed them. Who'd God bless? The male and the female. God blessed them. And God said to them, the male and the female, he said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And so right there, you get the heart of God. That God instituted the marriage covenant, that between a man and a woman. And he said, your duty is to multiply. Your duty is to fill the earth. Now, some of us take that to extreme, like Warren and Stacy, <laughs> Father Abraham and Sarah. Bless them, bless them, bless them. But my point in highlighting that is God instituted this. 
God blessed this. Now watch this. And he said, subdue it. Govern it. Have dominion over the fish, over the sea, over the birds of the air, and over all every living thing that moves on the earth. So you know what he tells Adam right here? He said, Adam, I, I give you authority. I give you dominion. I give you power to subdue it. The word dominion there means to reign. So literally, you know what God spoke to this man named Adam and said to him? He said, Adam, if it gets out of order, you put it back in order. I've deputized you. I've given you a badge. You have my delegated authority upon your life. But again, I want to highlight this. God tells Adam, don't put up with this stuff if it gets out of order. Now, the order he was talking about wasn't only just for the animals, but it was also for the demonic forces that would begin to try to attack. But he said, you're my boy, Adam. Chapter 2, verse 15. Now, hang in here with me. I'm going somewhere, okay? Then the Lord God took the man, and he put him in the Garden of Eden, and he said, tend to it and keep it. Now, in order for you to tend it and keep it, guess what? You've got delegated authority. You tend it and you keep it. Don't let it get out of order, Adam. And the Lord God commanded. Notice, he didn't suggest. He commanded that the man saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but except of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now it's interesting here some of the words he uses. He said, you eat that, you'll surely die. So I go back to verse 16 and the thought arises with this. Why would God put that tree in there if he wouldn't allow you to eat from it? You know why God did that? Because he created us as free will beings. In other words, you have a choice. God didn't create any of us robots. He didn't create any of you prisoners. The reason you're here today is because you chose to come here. God didn't wind you up and say, it's Sunday, go to church. And we, we, we. He didn't do that. And the clothes you're wearing, whether you like them or not, you picked them out today. Well, in some of our cases, my wife dresses me a lot, so I blame her still. No, he gave him a choice here. And he said specifically, you can eat of all the trees but that one. And when you see the Hebrew word for the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, the word evil in the Hebrew means calamity. So you're either going to live by the knowledge of good, which is God, or you're going to live by the knowledge of calamity, which ultimately is doing it man's way, and it's bad. And so we begin to see something immediately here that, that God put in there. Now, with every one of us, we have an exercise in choice. But he said, if you eat of it, you'll surely die. But what's interesting, the man Adam lived to be 920 years old. So he didn't die physically, 
but he lived a death-like existence. So in my own life, before I knew the Lord, I was alive physically, but I was dead spiritually. Now, every one of us in here, we get to choose what we want to do, but I cannot adjust the consequences of my choice. And so when I choose to obey God, there's a blessing. But when I choose to disobey God, man, I open the door up to calamity. And so this is what this goes on to talk about. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. The compensation of sin is death. That's to every one of us in here. And so when I begin to get the knowledge of the word of God and I understand what God's word says, then I have a choice. Do I obey it or do I disobey it? And that's going to come into play here in just a minute. Go with me to chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning, crafty, or shrewd than any beast of the field. I want to highlight something here. In verses 1, 3, and 4, the devil is referenced as the serpent. That's who this is. So the devil shows up in the Garden of Eden in a form of a serpent. We go back to what God told Adam in in verses 26 through 28 of chapter 1. And he said, you got authority over everything that creeps on the earth. He shows up in the form of a serpent. Also, I want to highlight, when you see the devil, the serpent, that identifies there's the problem right there. Mankind's not the problem, the devil's the problem. How do we know the devil's a problem? John 10, 10 says the thief, which is the devil, he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So literally, if we want to get mad at anything, get mad at the devil. Because he's the one that's responsible for all this. So now we go back to the beginning of time. And the devil shows up right here. He goes on to say, that he was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And when you see that statement right there, he's already blown it. God said you can eat of every tree except that one. But but he shrewdly uh, tries to begin to deceive right there. Verse two. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Now this is why it's important that you understand the word of God. You get knowledge of the word of God. She said, God said, you won't eat it or touch it. I don't find that anywhere. God never told Adam, don't touch it. He just said, don't eat it. Now, here's the interesting part. On one of the Jewish commentaries that I was reading, it said it was almost like the serpent gave her a little push, and when he pushed her, she backed into the tree. She touched the tree. Verse 4, look at this. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will, surely, or you will not surely die. And, and so when he says this, he, he, he's beginning to, to let her know, God's not telling the truth. You won't die. 
But I got to go back to the word of God. What did God say? The day you'll eat it, you'll die. So literally he begins to try to twist the truth and he'll do that with me and you. That's why it's so important that we know the word of God, what the word says. Verse five, for God knows that in the day you eat it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. It's interesting, he said this. So to agree, when you see the, the knowing, it carries the sense of experiencing. So he's saying here, you won't experience anything bad. But again, we know what the Bible says, the way just sin is death. And so I can't ever get away from what the word of God says. Verse number six. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, a tree desirable to make one wise. Do you know the word wise there is her definition of wise was human self-rule instead of God dependency. And so you'll eat and, and, and your eyes will be open and desirable make one wise. So she took of its fruit, ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. And give me, let me give you a little process here. She looked, she took, she ate, and she gave. That's the symptom for most of us in here. We begin to look at something with our eyes, and then we take it, we eat it, and then we give it to other people. This is exactly what she began to do. Now, there's a note in here, a little nugget in here that I want you to see. And it says toward the end, she also gave to her husband with her and he ate. I'm reading in the New Living the other day and the New Living said he was with her. Adam was with her when she ate. He wasn't out in the middle of the garden naming the butterflies. He was with her. Now, why is that such a big deal? Because Adam was the problem. Why was Adam the problem? Remember in Genesis 1, 26 to 28, God said to Adam, I give you dominion. And so literally with the dominion that he was given, he had the ability to tell the serpent, go. Flee. According to James 4, 7, it says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Now, when I use the word flee there, that doesn't mean a one-time deal. That doesn't mean you tell the devil to go one time and he's out of your hair the rest of life. No. As long as you're on this earth, you're going to deal with him. But when we begin to deal with him with the authority that God gives us, everything changes. So because of Adam's disobedience here, he gave the devil the dominion right here on earth. Romans 5.12 says, by one man's sin, sin came upon every one of us. And so literally stating here, Adam didn't operate in the dominion that was given to him. Turn back into the New Testament to 1 Timothy. Chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2. You're going to see a truth in here. 
So I'm looking at all this, and then I go back to Revelations 1.18. God said, I, that with Jesus, I've got the keys of death and hell. Jesus has got the keys. The number one reason Jesus came was for me and you sin, but also we could experience salvation. He came for that, but he also came to give back dominion to mankind. To every one of us in this room. A couple nuggets of scripture that may help you. you may want to reference these. Colossians 3.17 says, Everything I do in word or deed, I do in the name of Jesus. My authority is in Jesus' name. You look at the Great Commission in Mark 16, starting in verse 15 through 20. He said, you lay hands on them in Jesus' name and they'll be healed. He said, you cast out devils in Jesus' name. Everything was in Jesus' name. Philippians 2, verses 9 through 11 said, God bestowed the name that's the name above every name on the Lord Jesus. He said, the name that's above every name in earth, heaven, and hell. It's a lot better than Master Guard. Woo! Now we go to 2 Timothy, or 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13. Now watch this. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. This indicates a, a prior, uh, priority of responsibility. Verse 14. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. So it's easy to say, oh, men, we weren't deceived. It was that woman named Eve that was deceived. The reason the word was deceived there for her is because she didn't have that much knowledge. God is the one who told Adam and commanded him, don't eat from that. She was deceived, but Adam disobeyed. Adam knew. He had knowledge on what God said to do, so he willfully chose to disobey God. And because of his disobedience, it brought a death sentence or a sentence of calamity upon man. So when I read this, Paul doesn't excuse Adam. He places the primary blame on Adam. Wow. So I want to highlight something. What Jesus did on the cross... It gives every one of us in this room dominion, authority. Now, I can just tell you this in my life. When I take time to get in the presence of the Lord and pray, I'll have this thought often. The Lord will put this thought within me. You're putting up with way too much. And he's not saying that toward people. He's not saying you're putting up with way too much with Shelly. It's not what he's talking about. That's a whole nother ball game. When he puts that thought in me, you're putting up with too much. You know what he's telling me? I've given you dominion. I've given you authority. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God hasn't given me a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and the soundness of mind. Now, I want you to think about the word. God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. So guess what he just told me? Fear shows up in the form of a spirit, which would be some form of a demon. 
And that fear is to get you off track. That fear is to scare you. That fear is to imprison you. But again, I've got dominion in the name of Jesus. So the other side of that, why am I putting up with that? So the next time in the middle of the night, your little baby scream waking up with, with uh, fear and with bad nightmares, you got authority. And I got to use the name of Jesus and say, knock it off in Jesus' name. Knock it off. There's a new sheriff in town. I've been deputized by the name of Jesus. As Adam was God's earthly agent here on earth, Jesus gives every one of us that authority. If you're born again, you got authority. Pastor, I don't have authority. Yeah, you do. So the other side of that is I got to get knowledge on that. I got to begin to understand. I got to use the name of Jesus. So if you're born again, you've got a right to the name of Jesus. So if you'll note, Jesus said, you'll lay hands on the sick of my name and they'll, they'll be healed. Jesus said, you'll cast that. He didn't say call pastor at midnight and tell pastor to do it. He told you to. So the Bible school I go to, the man of God there was a man named Kenneth Hagin. In 1952, he had a vision. In this vision, he's standing face to face with the Lord Jesus. I, I envision it'd be, it'd be similar to me and Felix looking here at each other. And he said that when Jesus began to speak to him in this vision, this little bitty demon would come in right between them. And he said, every time Jesus would speak to me, this demon would go, yakety, 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 yak, 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 yak. And he said, I'd look at Jesus like, I can't hear you. And he said, Jesus would pause and then Jesus would start talking. And he said, this little devil do this, yakety, yak, 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 yak. And he said, this went on for several minutes. And he said, I kept thinking, Jesus, when are you going to do something about it? And he said about the fifth time when this went on, he looked at the little demon and with authority said, shut up in the name of Jesus. And he said at that very moment, that little demon whimpered and took off running and left. He said, the Lord Jesus looked at me and said, I was wondering when you were going to do something about it. And he looked at Jesus and said, I was wondering when you were going to do something about it. And Jesus responded and said, I couldn't do anything. And he said in the dream, he looked at him and said, wait a minute, wait a minute. You said you couldn't do anything? And the Lord Jesus said, that's exactly right. I've done everything I'm going to do. I've given you the authority and now you get to do it. That was 40 years ago I read that. I heard that. And there's times in my life I still sense that. And so listen, I don't care how old you are or how, how young you are. You don't have to have a PhD in life to use the name of Jesus. But you got to get to a place in your life where you say, that's in my heart. I, I know when I use the name of Jesus. I know when I use the name of Jesus. I know when I've used the name of Jesus. Tell you guys, you would be shocked when I use the name of Jesus. I'll use the name of Jesus over and over. 
Thank God the name of Jesus. You don't have a thousand times to use it. And that's it. And I thank God. I, I, I wear that name out daily. I'm a carrier of the name of Jesus. That's the authority I do. So, and that's what you got to understand. It's not me and it's not you. It's the name of Jesus. Colossians 2.15 says, Jesus disarmed principalities and powers. He disarmed them. You know what that means? If they had pistols, he took them. If they had guns that had bullets in them, you know what he did? He put blanks in there. Shoot all day. He can't do nothing to me in the name of Jesus because what he did. And so I'm teaching on these lines because at times I sense the Lord saying not only to me, but to everyone up in, you're putting up with way too much stuff. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.